Welcome back to Two Real Witches. I'm here with my out of this world co-host, Oak. <laughs> and I'm here with my delicious co-host, Danny. And today we're rounding out the second episode of Deity Worship, building on episode two with the actions, feelings, and history this time. So let's dive in. All right. So before we get into any of the content, I wanted to uh, just kind of give some explanation around how we had organized the previous episode, so episode two, and here in episode three, how we're going to be approaching the topics. Um, We were playing with this a little bit, and I think it worked out well. Um, The inspiration for how we're organizing the approach to these topics is coming directly from, this is like <laughs> us ripping stuff off, of uh, Deborah Lip. <laughs> we love Deb. I assume we'll talk about Deb in future episodes. We're just going to call yes. her Deb now. <laughs> uh, but Deborah Lip's uh, book that is 20 years old this year, congratulations, kudos, uh, called, <laughs> called The Elements of Ritual. Um, in this book, she approaches different topics um, using the actual elements as inspiration. So as we go through uh, four sections, we'll look at the four elements, uh, air, fire, water, and earth. As we approach each of those topics, we will make a certain connection of information for air, we're going to go over the maybe book knowledge, um, things that are very quote unquote factual, because some of these things are going to <laughs> not be factual or be debatable, but let's say the knowledge part of the information. Then we're going to get into the fire aspects, which would be the practical pieces of um behaviors that you could associate with said topic. So in episode two, for instance, when we started with part one of worshiping the gods, we talked about the information of how to connect with gods and what gods are and create definitions. And then we talked about how to actually take action and how to make those connections, how to create ritual, how to do things like praising and um, offerings and ritual and things like that. So in this episode, we're actually going to pick up with water and earth. Uh, For me, the association of water is often the ancestral part. So this is going to, for us, we're going to use this as like a history um, section. And then we're also going to talk about how we personally feel about the topic. So some of our our personal experiences, but more so on the emotions and how those things impact our lives from the feels (laughs) side. Uh, And then we're going to get into what we call the earth section. Um, And this is how we integrate this information overall um, on a daily basis, but also as we integrate this information, what are the challenges that come up? So we're going to, if you will, bring it down to earth. Um, So we're going to talk about maybe some, like, what are the problematic aspects of God worship that we're going to run into? Um, So yeah, so that's kind of the zoomed out approach is we're going to go through air, fire, water, and earth in future topics as a way of guiding the conversation. And in today's conversation, we're going to specifically be focusing on the water and the earth. So we're going to get muddy. <laughs> Love it. Uh, as, as we should. You know what I mean? Let's get a little messy. Um, <laughs> but before we get too far into that, we also thought it'd be nice uh, just to give you guys kind of an update on what's going on with us. Um, also in that same framework from um, the air, the fire, the water, the earth aspects. So, uh, Oak, tell me, what what you up to? What you <laughs> up to? I heard that. Which uh up to okay, yeah, I like it. yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm catching what you're throwing. A good pun, you know, is really a magical thing. Um, uh, <laughs> when you said, um, the air, the fire, the water, the earth, I totally had that chant running through my head. Um, right, anyways. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, I guess if I were to sum up some of the um air associated things that I've been up to, so we're going to talk about like kind of like what classes or workshops or books. Um, yesterday, actually. This would have been Saturday, I don't know, what is time? The 29th of April. Um, I took an astrology class and I took it with a local astrologer, local to me, and it was how to read your natal chart. And so this was very much like 
a introductory beginner level class, which made me feel really smart, <laughs> but I still absolutely <laughs> um, pick some stuff up. Um, I shared that with you, Danny. Uh, but uh, yeah. the thing that I really clicked for me is in my local area, I'm lucky enough to have a you know somewhat thriving astrological community. And mm -hmm. uh, this person was a person of color. So I felt really good because I often don't see that representation uh, in media oh, yeah. of yeah people of color into astrology. Mm -hmm. It's often like, you know, white lady town. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, so that was, so that was really great. And, um, but then also just being able to support local astrologers. Um, I previously had, uh, you know, a Patreon subscription with a couple of astrologers that, you know, are not local to me. And I've stopped with those to try to, you know, keep it local. And so, yeah, so I was really excited to be able to um, connect with my local community. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And what, what, what about what you? you? What are you reading? Oh, yes. Okay. Ooh. Well, <laughs> what you're reading? I need to know yeah. what you're reading. Well, when you say reading, we're also we also mean slash listening, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Those are okay, the okay. same thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I was excited. I finally started uh, the it. I don't know, maybe three months ago was published. I'd have to look at the published date, but it's a the newest book from Jason Mankey, Mankey, and um, Astrea Taylor, and it's the the book title is the Modern Witchcraft. Uh, with the Greek gods, history, insights, and magical practice. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited about this book. Um, as we talked about in previous episodes, um, my patron Hestia um, is Greek. And so this was what sparked my interest other than really um, liking um, Jason's writing style. I haven't read anything by Astraea, so I'm, I'm really interested to get into um, her writing style. Uh, but I was really excited because... I was able to find a bookstore that carried this book so that I could actually order from. So I always listen to things on Audible, but I was happy to also purchase the paperback cover. Um, I want to just give a shout out to Sandman Bookstore. It's in South Florida, uh, but they have very fair prices and um, they're very quick with deliveries. Um, so I was happy to finally be able to source a independent bookstore, family owned um, yeah, yeah, and they Family definitely focus on like. Ugh. I know it's it's what only five hours away from me, <laughs> so I don't think I'll be able to go there in person. But I was stalking their Instagram, and yeah, very happy to be able to support that store, Sandman Bookstore. Nice, nice. What are you reading? Uh, what are you doing? Well, so kind of still in this exploration, right, of like um, Appalachian folk magic and what do I know and what's out there and why are, are things very different in different parts of Appalachia? And so um, I'm currently reading Doctoring the Devil, Notebooks of an Appalachian Conjure Man um, by Jake Richards. Um, so he is based out of Tennessee. Um, and Tennessee Appalachian folk magic is very different, I'm finding, than like Virginian Appalachian folk oh. magic. Um, so just really, really enjoying like kind of the melding of those two ideas. I think you and I had talked before about how like um, even just things like sweeping someone's feet, like in one part of the country that might mean they never get married, but in another part of that country, it, it might be what you do when you get married is to jump over the broom. Mm -hmm. and, but there's still those aspects of where the broom is still related to marriage. And so somehow like we haven't lost that thread, just the meanings have kind of changed with time and place. So um, that's kind of what I'm digging into still is uh, – just trying to build out this idea of like, where did these things come from? Why do they exist? Um, why have they changed from maybe what I've known or what other people have known and just kind of digging into that. So that sounds those. fascinating. Yeah. I know you were struggling to find books specifically on this topic because it, there were a few that came to mind. Was this one of those that you had to kind of search out or was this one that you were familiar with? Um, this was one I, was able to find fairly easily through like the bibliographies of other books, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of how I've been piecing these things together is like, I'll read a book and I'm like, oh, I really like this book. So then I look at the books they reference and then find their sources. And then, um, so that's kind of how I'm, I'm kind of digging through it, but it just, it's really interesting because I feel like we're all talking about 
this same topic, right? Like Appalachian folk magic, but we're talking about it in segmented parts of the country and, and segmented parts of where we're from. And so there really isn't like a body of work that like digs into all of these things at the same time or that um, kind of digs into why it might have been this way here and this way there, but there's still this common theme between these two beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's been really interesting to read like things that directly conflict with each other. Like someone will be like, well, this directly came from, you know, Christian belief systems. And then something else will be like, no, this came over from Africa um, and then transferred into Christian belief systems through the like assimilation of enslaved people to Christianity. Um, And so it's just interesting trying to like piece these things together and figure out like, okay, are, is either one of these things true one? Um, And then also like, where is the actual truth? Cause usually it's somewhere between those two points of view. Um, And sometimes a little bit of both, like both things could be sort of right, but um, where are the facts in that? So that's so cool. Love that. I love that. Awesome. Um, all right. So if we were catching up on fire topics <laughs> in our witcha up to um, <laughs> second, uh-huh. um, we need like uh, a theme song, like a witch up to. I don't know. <gasps> okay. Yeah. I, I like that. That was like Mario. Is that? <laughs> um. So I'm planning a trip to New Orleans, not next week, but the week after. I have two weeks off from work, which I'm thrilled about. I'm I don't remember. Duck. Yeah. I mean, like it's been years since I had two weeks off that wasn't around the winter holidays. Um, so I'm taking a week to um, staycate and <laughs> get on my roof and seal my roof. Uh, anyways, um, but then uh, the following week, I'm going to go to New Orleans. So I've been nerding out about all of the culinary options and trying to explore New Orleans. I've been there one time before, but potentially my partner and I are going to have our wedding ceremony there if it all makes sense. So we're kind of going on a scouting trip. Um, so yeah. How about you? Any, any irons I, in the fire? Uh, I am uh. just living vicariously through you. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Um, I, I love that you're doing all of this traveling um, I'm very excited for all of the foods. I'm going to live vicariously through you with all the things I cannot eat. I'm definitely going to um, post it on our on our Insta. I have to share the gumbo yes. and all of the cages. So that I can with salivate with everyone else, please. Okay, Thank great. you. While I eat <laughs> a salad made by me, that's not even going to be very good. Um, <laughs> so uh, for me, we just opened my first homemade wine bottle and drank it and I, no one died you know what i'm saying no botulism so killed it uh <laughs> it was delicious. that was the threshold <laughs> it was amazing how it was very impressive honestly i was like okay with taking the botulism you know if it meant <laughs> supporting you and your craft um but yeah no that <laughs> it was uh it was really lovely to open up homemade wine that has been aged a year to celebrate building oh with you. That was you so know what wonderful. I mean? So excited. Um, and then kind of, you know, consistency, it's a big theme of my life, consistency and balance. And so, um, kind of keeping with that same theme of like doing something for each Sabbath, um, I'm going to continue making a wine for each Sabbath. Uh, we're about to make a rose petal one. I'm very excited about this rose wine. Um, but I'm also going to start making fragrant oils that go with each Sabbath so that I have like a small vial of oil to kind of go with um, that for ritualistic purposes. And so um, just keeping with that theme, you know, of, yeah. of like building ritual, literally building it um, throughout the year. So that's kind of what I've got going on actions wise. I love that. I love that. Um, let's transition to... Uh, maybe the water aspects of mm-hmm. which uh, up to. So uh, tell me how you're I, feeling. What is yeah. going on with you? Oak? <laughs> tell me about, well, tell I me had, about your life. I had a surprise um, party for my partner and it was a surprise housewarming party, which was the best gift ever because uh, he didn't have to do any of the preparation, which was really probably his favorite gift of the whole part. Um, but it was the first time, you know, since a pandemic that I've had like been indoors around a lot of people. Um, I've been, you know, mm-hmm. I have a healthcare background, so I've been super 
um, safe uh, in all aspects. And so this was the first time that I would say that I was taking risky um, actions, having um, 20 people in my house, although I know that the risk is less now, but it's still very much a risk. And, uh, you know, I got mm-hmm. sick uh, in, in <laughs> for it. So I paid the price, but it was super appropriate because <laughs> we're having a clip season. And if you're, you know, I, I think probably being on the couch sick was probably more productive than being at work during a clip season. I think that was actually a blessing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like cause and effect. Um, however, the effects were in my favor, sort of. Yes. So. Yes, yes. I, I'm glad to not have the challenge of work during eclipse season. Um, but yeah. How are you feeling? You've been busy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen, um, yeah, I think professionally right now, I always hit this like stride. It's been like a constant thing in my life probably for the past like five years where like March to August is a freaking train wreck. I don't know. I don't know what everybody's doing March to August. I guess it's like start of fiscal year. I don't know. Everybody loses their absolute mind from March until August. And then in August, everyone is suddenly like comes to clarity and is like, wow, this is not a sustainable level of energy that we're putting out. We should probably like get it Mm. together before the holidays. Um, And so pretty much from now to August uh, is just going to be crazy for me work-wise. It's also like height of sports season with the kids. So uh just just trying to like hang on. You know what I mean? Just trying to You're doing hang great. on till August. <laughs> You're doing this it. damn thing. I'm I'm so <laughs> impressed. Yes. <laughs> I, I that's really interesting. I and it's always been that way, huh? For like the last few like years. Like the past five years. Yeah. yeah. It's like every season hits and it's like just all what is wrong with these people? Their energies are just crazy. Uh, I say that as a as a cancer directly in the middle of this time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, just all over the place. Everybody, well, if you professionally, can personally. It. Yeah. If you oh can, yeah. I always tell people. I always tell people. I'm like March to March to August. It's really like July. Once I hit August first, life starts to get back in line. But um, I always tell people March to July, just don't, don't count on doing anything extra. Don't plan nothing. It's going to get ruined. Just, Mm -hmm. we're just, we're just keeping the wheels going every day. That's all we're doing. (laughs) Love that. Let's, um, into how do we catch up with each other in, in earth inspiration? I guess we could talk about, um, practical challenges, like what's been kind of challenging Mm -hmm. your life or, Maybe what have you purchased recently that you are really excited about? Um, I have, (laughs) yeah, I have been (laughs) purchasing a bunch of house stuff and I feel great about it, but I also felt completely overwhelmed. I'm a new homeowner for the first time. And of course I want to do everything at once. Um, But yeah, so I've been challenged with, I did this thing. I made a... I got a big cork board and I wrote down all of my projects that I have for my house because I felt like they were just all in my head, just like mm-hmm. all wanting attention. And so it was so cathartic to write down all of the different projects and then like be able to stand back and look at them and say like, okay, we're only going to take one thing at a time. We're going to prioritize this over that. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. But yeah, that the house has been challenging for me. Um, yeah. The organizational <laughs> part of my heart just loved all of that, um, that, that, that is how I live my whole life is I'm like, (laughs) write it all down, map it out, prioritize it, make it happen. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. Um, for me, (laughs) yeah, it's, well, it's all about, again, balance being that like main theme in my life. Um, and it's all about like creating that harmony. Right. So when I feel really stressed out and like overwhelmed with like work and it's also like trying to balance that out with like, okay, but I need to add some like things that feed my, my spirit right in there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've just been kind of trying to like delve into things that like are important to me and really keep the main things, the main things. So not to get so lost in like work stuff and schedules and making appointments and like doing stuff that I like lose sight of like the things that actually feed my happiness. Um, so one of those things is that I have been purchasing a lot of witchy house decor mm. things, sort of pr- also like practical things. Cause I'm a, I'm a functional design lover. Um, and so mm. my husband has 
finally gotten on board with like, listen, this whole ancestor altar, it's a family one. It is not going anywhere. I've left you spaces and they will continue to sit empty until you put your shit up there. Um, and so he finally has like put his pictures of his mom and put pictures of his grandparents oh. up there. And so I've been like purchasing plants and things that like go along with it. Oh, hold on. Can you see it? Can you see it? Oh, yes. So, I'm right. He's got his little, I know. He, he's got his little pictures up there. Right. And there's, um, this this little um, trinket that belonged to his mom um, is up there, and so I've purchased some uh, planters to go up there, and then plants to go with them because part of my ancestor altar is like keeping something alive for the dead. Uh, that's mm-hmm. part of like my my process. Um, yeah. it, it's my veneration is to like pour love and energy into something that is for them or like a representation yeah. of caring for them. Okay, um, just so don't do that unless you have all of that. Don't do that unless you have a green thumb, right? Because that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Listen, okay. So you know how I keep telling you my papa on raise hell, right? Um, yeah. His plant is the only one that's died, and I'm like, say less, say less. <laughs> I I will get you something that cannot die. I will I will get you something that literally doesn't die. Like. We can keep playing this game. You can keep putting your candle out. You can keep wasting all your water. I'm going to continue to refill it and keep lighting it so you can get on board or you can get off. I just, oh hello. I love <laughs> I, I, you squabbling with your, the spirit of your papa. I, I'm just, I'm so here for it. That's amazing. <laughs> I just love that. Well, congratulations on the, um, on getting Mr. Danny to participate. I think you, yeah, you're winning. I, I'm winning this witch war. I mean, he doesn't know in a witch war, but I'm winning it. Okay? It. <laughs> Love that. Love that. So slowly witchifying our entire house in so many ways that he doesn't even understand. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's hard to contain it. That's for sure. That's for sure. That's what <laughs> I was going to say. Do you experience that with your partner where you're like, where is that boundary between me making the house? Yeah. All about my beliefs. Um, yeah. Oh no! <laughs> and sharing no, that space. Absolutely, I think we could probably get into a longer conversation about that. I think it's um, the whole home um, altar expansion takeover happens quite easily. I'm I'm really mm-hmm. lucky in that I have a whole um, ritual room. So because of that, I feel as if I have to confine all of these things to this room, which I'm totally okay with. I think it's like concentrating them, not confining them. That's what I'm telling myself. Right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty respectful uh, because I have a whole room, so I can be. Uh, yeah, yeah. If it wasn't that case, then uh, that would be a different story. I do have like a um, broom in every room I didn't mean to make that rhyme. Um, and <laughs> I do have a mirror in every room. Like those are two kind of, but that's, you know, that can also have very mundane purposes. So I try to mm-hmm. balance it. I, I mean, right. Yeah. I'm not saying it's I like, I have all these like subtle hints around the house where like, if you paid enough attention to it, it would mean something. But for the rest of the world, they're just like, oh, okay, cool. Just, I'm definitely like, on to, like, Zoom wooden spoons. and people are like, what is, what is that black broom behind you? I'm like, Oh, what? Uh, Oh, that, yeah. no, (laughs) I picked it up on a trip to somewhere. I don't. Yeah. Anyways, moving on next, next item. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that, that's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That balance with your partner and how to maintain, you know, your home in the way that you want to, but also make space for them. Yeah. Especially Mm -hmm. when you have muggle partners. Uh, Why did we sign up for that? No, I'm just kidding. Love them dearly. Um. Yes. Um, all right, great. Well, thanks for catching up on our yeah. what you up to, what you doing, what you into. We really need like a, a really like bomb theme song right there. Okay. okay. I keep going back to da-na-na-na-na-na. I feel like that's going to have to be it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That can be the inspo. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's let's transition into uh, today's uh, larger topic, which is our kind of resolution part two of worshiping the gods. Um, as we said, we're going to get into kind of the water aspects and the earth aspects. So starting with the water, I want to kind of dive in a little bit of history about gods, <laughs> uh, which is kind of a large topic. Um, but some things I think I could probably address, which would be 
um, you know, what are some of the first recorded uh, gods and deities? And really the issue with history is that we only know about cultures and belief systems through artifacts and through writings, right? So the first, um, uh, in my research, um, in Inanna is really the first kind of like Sumerian goddess that we have um, evidence of um, during like 4,000 um, before Common Era and uh, 4,000 to um, 3,100 um, in that era, we would see uh, Inanna as a Sumerian goddess show up in text. But before that, I mean, even in prehistoric uh, religions, it's hard for us to really know because that's what 99% of human history is, uh, meaning mm -hmm. that <laughs> humans have existed long before words. And we do see some evidence of God and goddess veneration. Um, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but Venus of Lassul um, is a statue, and you will know it when I say it, uh, the very um, voluptuous nude woman. It's in limestone. It's a bas relief. It's about 18 inches high. Um, and this is a figure um, that holds a bison horn. Um, it could have also been a cornucopia, hard to say, um, in one hand. And it had 13 notches um, in it, which is often thought to represent moon cycles. Mm -hmm. So that's very interesting. And it had, you know, large breasts and a great stomach and wide hips. Um, and so this was thought to be proof of goddess worship. Um, but who knows, right? Like we are only seeing evidence of this specific statue is 25,000 years old. Um, but who knows if this was just a really hot selfie or <laughs> uh, a representation of a goddess, I would assume based on the, uh, how difficult it would be to make art when you don't have any of these um, basic necessities covered, like a refrigerator full of food, you probably wouldn't just make a piece of art. You probably would uh, spend time making a um, depiction of your deity. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. what we often look to as like some of the first proof of god and goddess um, worship. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of history. You can deep dive, yeah. of course. And then kind of, you know, why did humans create gods? Like what what would be the reason to create something um, less physical, right? And in, in this very physical world that we live in, what is the the motivation to create gods and, and something that is um, not physically tangible? Um, and it's really one of those things where it's the intermediate between the divine, right? So um, as we kind of move from this hunter-gatherer society, worried about keeping ourselves fed, keeping ourselves safe from predators, all of that, into a more agricultural society, we really needed to create collective rules for cooperation, right? We needed to create a society in which we were all working toward a common goal and focus. And so I think, you know, some of that comes from needing to create societal constructs. So needing to create um, one deity or one group system of belief so that we can all kind of fall in line with those norms. Um, and then you have a great article that we'll link in the show notes, but that kind of talks about this need to create like an entity bigger than ourselves that kind of guides our behavior and guides our actions. Um, one that we can kind of give control to when things feel very out of control. So when we're not in control of the wet season and whether or not we get rain for the crops and whether or not there is drought or famine, um, being able to have this intermediary to act on our behalf to help resolve those issues um, is both very important with keeping an ag agricultural society, um, but also with keeping people kind of focused on that common goal. Yeah, well said. Love that. Um, I want to also draw some connections here. So like, why do, I mean, I believe, and I think we talked about this before, if I can speak on your behalf, um, we believe that gods are a human construct. Um, you know, we would not be without the gods, but the gods would also not be without us kind of um, idea. Uh, so if historically we're looking at, you know, systemically, why do why is it that, you know, potentially pagans or Wiccans, um, any organization that is not monotheistic, you know, why do they worship and how different are they in comparison to monotheistic religions? I think that generally people have this point of view that, 
oh, I, <laughs> I practice witchcraft um, and I'm polytheistic, therefore I'm not religious. And there are so many similarities, right, between the motivations of why we um, acknowledge and venerate and give uh, worship to gods, both from a Christian point of view and from a you know, pagan point of view, a monotheistic point of view, and also a polytheistic point of view. So I just want to draw some of those connections, right? So um, in our dominant religion uh, in uh, North America here, Christianity, uh, they have some basic ideas of, you know, why to worship, um, protection being one of them. Of course, you want to worship a God because ultimately, what's going to happen when you die. You want to be able to go to heaven as Christians believe. Um, and so it, in order to save your eternal soul, you want to be in relationship with God and do as God wants you to. They also, you know, would potentially be concerned about God's wrath. Um, you know, uh, in the Bible, we would see, uh, cities turned to salt uh, because there was lack of worship of God. Um, we, they might also see the reason that they would be motivated to worship God as being protected from the devil, right? Um, so overall, if we zoomed out, that's really about protection, right? So that'd be one reason why Christians would worship gods. Another reason would be to receive the blessings of God. Um, and if I were to boil that down, really it's about manifestation of desires. So we have protection, <laughs> we have manifestation of desires. The other thing that uh, often Christians point to as a reason to worship God is that God will quote unquote, give them strength. Um, you know, I came from a very Christian background. And so both my mother and my grandmother recovered from alcoholism through Jesus's um, strength. And uh, so zooming out, <laughs> uh, the motivations to worship gods or worship a God in the Christian point of view is protection, manifestation, and ability. Um, and I think we could probably draw some <laughs> through lines, um, even to a Wiccan point of view or a um, polytheistic point of view. Yeah. And then from, you know, a, a witch's point of view, from the point of view of somebody who kind of has a polytheistic view, um, the gods are really a, an energy source to that we can draw upon, that we can work with um, in order to achieve a lot of the same things, really. So um, we're talking about land spirits, elementals, kind of egregores, um, ancestors, deity, all of that. And so for protection, um, we're talking about things like from other beings, um, other people, um, from energies outside of ourselves. So whether we're talking about like weather and a bad storm coming or, or things like that. Um, we're still seeking protection by manipulating that energy um, from a witch's perspective. Manifestation. So we're talking about our desires um, more in the physical sense. Um, so when you come from a Christian point of view, or, you know, you could be praying and that is a physical act of praying for desires, manifesting that. Um, and very similar things happen, you know, from a witch's perspective, whether that's creation of a spell, creation of a ritual, even prayers. I mean, there there are witches who participate in that mm -hmm. kind of um, praying, chanting, you know, they're, they're all like one and the same, you know. And then ability. So um, we're working on and developing these skills um, of divination, uh, of mental faculties, of the the ability to kind of um, see through things and see them um, less through the lens of like the physical and more through the lens of intuition, um, physical strength, healing, right? Healing and protection over those that we care about and ourselves, um, as well as our own self-control. Um, a, a big part of this is kind of the loss of ego or the, at least the management of ego, um, and, and trying to kind of t hone your intuition, um, and not have it kind of be blindsided by all of the other worldly things, you know, that are going on. Yeah, I mean, so both from, you know, even a, if we were to compare Christianity and and even like a Wiccan point of view, these are <laughs> essentially doing a lot of the same things. I mean, yeah. we're, we're all talking about perfection, um, perfection. <laughs> we're all, that, that was Freudian. Uh, we're all talking about protection, <laughs> uh, manifestation, and, um, you know, receiving some type of abilities um, in that way. And um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting that often we see ourselves as so different, but 
if we break it down into the motivations that are quite similar, but mm-hmm. um, just to kind of, you know, wrap up the water portion of this segment on God worship, um, I would say overall, like if I were to zoom out, I worship gods because I find comfort and believing in divine consciousness uh, greater than my own. And personally, my, my theory, <laughs> my belief is that there is a collective consciousness that's greater than all things um, that is removed from humans and we couldn't possibly really interact with. And so I believe that humans um, desire and humans, it, it, inevitably, we always come to the realization that we need gods. And I believe that humans created gods. Um, and I believe that we continue to feed these energies with our thoughts and our prayers and our veneration, and even discussions like this. And by doing so, we make them powerful, and they serve as an intermediary between this collective consciousness. Um, Mm -hmm. And so as we empower them, they empower us. Um, So if I had to (laughs) be really succinct with my belief around God's existence, now this is, of course, not my belief around, you know, what happens after you die, or how is the world created, but just when I approach the topic of God's, that's... um, yeah, those are my feelings. I feel pretty comforted by that idea. Mm-hmm. How about you, Danny? And you zoomed out and I'm going to zoom real in. So that that relationship for me, right? Relationship's a big part of uh, probably my cancer son um, is, is just kind of <laughs> focusing on relationships and and kind of the, the said and unsaid between two entities. And so for me, that connection should be mutually beneficial, not necessarily transactional in nature, but but at least mutually beneficial. And so I think relationship with deity should feel like kind of sharing the strengths of each other um, and building camaraderie. Um, if at any point that relationship kind of feels like it's becoming one-sided and definitely if it feels like that relationship is becoming negative in the sense of the effort you've put in, the money you've spent, the time that's invested, then it's probably time to pump the brakes. Um, The energy that you invest should be given positively. Um, And like Oak said, that collective consciousness empowers the gods. So if your investment isn't being given freely and with positive intent, I would say that it's probably negatively impacting the both of you. Um, so my kind of view on gods and God worship is really that you're creating a relationship. Um, you are, again, kind of following that thought through of dating the gods. You're you're creating this relationship and, and it should feel like something that is comforting. It should feel like something that is beneficial to both of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, All right. So let's transition into this um, kind of like earth approach to the topic. So um, talking about the like everyday challenges as we integrate this information and kind of debating through some of the potentially problematic um, things as we um, consider gods in general. Uh, So as an example here, one challenge as you start to approach uh, deity Uh, you could find yourself potentially being maybe let down, maybe not feeling that like intense mystical connection that other people are describing. I think I have definitely felt this. And um, I don't know, Danny, have you felt this before? Like, wait, (laughs) maybe the gods aren't talking to me. Maybe they're not um, into me or (laughs) maybe the state is. No, I I don't think maybe. Uh, you know, as a witch, I think for sure in the younger years of my life, um, I had, you know, my mom was very much like a not super religious person, but was very open to like, you should see and experience lots of different religions and, and religious ideals. Um, and kind of going to many different services and kind of being like, I don't, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not feeling what everybody's feeling. I don't know. Is it me? Am I the problem? Um, <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I think when I came into witchcraft, I didn't, I didn't come into this with the idea of deity worship. I really came into this as like a um, experiential practice, not necessarily a religion at first. And so um, I, I don't think I set up that expectation, which I think is one of those things that we'll talk about is I didn't set that expectation of like needing to have a religious experience, but I definitely have experienced that let down through the lens of other religions and being like, I don't know what's going on and I don't 
I'm not feeling the same energy mm-hmm. the people around me seem to be feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, for, for me, I definitely approached witchcraft from a religious point of view, um, knowing that that was a hole in my life that I wanted to find connection through. But also, I mean, I, I approached witchcraft from personal empowerment and a way of mm-hmm. bringing magic into my everyday, right? And, and that kind of connection. Um, but yeah, I think initially I didn't necessarily seek that initial relationship because I assumed that that was going to require some time to to create relationship, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I very much can see how transactional uh, the connection and relationship with a God can get. And so I very much was Mm -hmm. um, resistant against it feeling like that. And so for me, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to have that initial mystical connection um, until I put time and effort into making that connection. Um, But overall, I mean, I think if you're not feeling the (laughs) woo-woo of the deity that you are connecting with. Generally, it's, you know, one of a couple of things I would point to. Number one would be, you know, as you said, maybe the connect, the expectation that you have is um, too high. Maybe people have described it in a way that you wouldn't experience of any, like we're all different, right? Even when it comes to like, if I made the connection to um, the, uh, like clairvoyant, the clairs, right? This like mm-hmm. super sense of clairvoyance, clairia audience. Um, and not everybody has that same psychic in um, intuition. Some people could hear uh, messages, some people psychically, right? Some people could feel messages, some people could see things, smell things, taste things, right? And so why would it not be any different with the gods, right? Um mm-hmm just because someone else has an ecstatic feeling doesn't mean that that's what you're going to feel. Maybe it's going to come through dreams. Maybe it's going to come through signs and signals. Maybe it's going to come as you do additional research, but generally I think managing expectations and not expecting your experience to be the same as others is a big one. And then also like, don't rush it. <laughs> uh, it's going to take time for a relationship to develop. Um, and I think that the final thing is like, when in doubt, turn to tools of divination to channel messages. I think that that is quite useful in getting um, signals, right? Um, so just yeah. some no, ideas I love here. the way that you did that. <laughs> yeah. If you're not, if you're not feeling it, uh, maybe, maybe think about some of those topics. Yeah, no, that was a really succinct way to kind of wrap up, you know, how often did we hear someone say like, oh yeah, I just like gravitated towards this. Like for instance, you with astrology, super jealous, don't get it, not good at math, uh, love it, think it's amazing, just, it just doesn't speak to me. But I, if I went into it with that expectation that I'm going to be just as good as it, yeah. as you are, I would be a, just continuously let down. It's just not where my strengths lie. Still think it's super interesting. Still want to hear all about it. Um but it's just not where my strengths lie. So again, if you're not having that same experience, it doesn't mean necessarily there's anything wrong with you or with that connection or that relationship that you're building. Just maybe that you need to manage those expectations. It might not be the same as what everyone else is describing. And then we want to talk about how do you know if it's working? You know, how do you know that like the gods have sent this image of the crow to you? Um, when is it delusion versus when it is it reality and kind of that that very blurry line of you know when is it maybe a mental health issue you know if you are having yeah. hallucinations of the gods every day i would say it's probably time to to seek professional help um and i, I don't say that lightly i say that coming from a family of someone who was who was and is severely mentally ill um and was also a practicing witch and so somewhere in there, those lines became very blurred. Um, And so this is where I would say, how do you know if something is what you think it is? And I think usually those signs, and Oak, definitely give us your personal experience, but usually those signs are a lot more clear. If you are questioning whether something is a message from the gods, it probably isn't. Um, usually those signs are like, oh, okay, I got it. I, I hear you. I see you. I see what you're doing here. Um, if you're questioning it, it, it's probably not, right? So you need to know when to call a crow a crow um, and kind of go on about your day. Um, and then there's also, you know, 
it's very subjective. So who really knows? You know, you and I may see the same crow in the tree. And for me, it's just a crow in a tree because I don't have any reference point for that. It doesn't mean something distinctly to me where you might see it and be like, oh, this this really means something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it really is about that level of discernment. But I would say at what point you kind of feel like it's happening all of the time and it's constant and it's pervasive in your life. That's where I would question your judgment on those things. Um, so yeah. how to know if it's working, I think, is really uh, trusting your gut about these things and then also knowing when to maybe not trust your gut. So when is your perception maybe um, been diluted some um, because of what's going on in your life, because of your own emotions, because of significant biological factors, right, of, of what might be going on with your brain chemistry and things like that? Yeah, I have a number of friends who are um, – who struggle with different um, challenges mentally and, and who can suffer from delusions. And I think a lot about, you know, if I was in their shoes, how, where would I draw the line between deity and delusion? And I think, you know, I'm not sure if it matters. Um, So long as it's serving you for the good. Um, Of -hmm. course there's, I would say, I don't know. I just hate these, the, the like feedback, like when you know, you know, I'm like, well, I don't know that that's the case. Right. I think <laughs> like a lot of people don't know, and then they think there's something wrong with them. And then, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I shared a, an example with, um, with, uh, our group last night in circle and there's often this like, <laughs> uh, point where you're asking for clarity from deity. Like, if you're trying to give me the sign, confirm it in these ways. And you can't just keep doing that over and over again, right? Right. Um, however, you know, in the first episode on this topic, episode two, season one, um, <laughs> I talked about being clear with your deity around how you will interpret their signs and like mm-hmm. creating a relationship that says, hey, and I, anytime I see this symbol or this sign, um, I'm going to know that that's from you. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so for me with Hestia, it's, you know, connected with the number four. And so for me, it's really easy if I'm having like every day, I just happen to look at the clock when it's 444 and I haven't looked at the clock all day. Well, it's like, okay, yep. I heard, Hey, what's up? (laughs) Um, Hey, it's our time. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I, I think, in order to know if a symbol is meant for you, it's often easiest if you go in with like, hey, here's the things that will confirm to me that this is a message for me. That's like, it's usually easier on the front end to clarify what a message is than to try mm-hmm. to interpret on the back end. That's what I have found. I've, I'm often not, I would say, a very intuitive person naturally. I'm pretty practical and logical. And, um, but yeah, if if I, you know, struggled with delusion, I think it would be much more difficult for me to draw the line between those Absolutely. things. Um, yeah. And so, if you're either struggling with questioning yourself all the time or potentially struggling with finding the line between reality and delusion, maybe having an agreement with the entity, whether that's any energy, right? Whether it's a land spirit or an ancestor or a deity to say, Hey, communicate with me in this way. And that way I'll know for sure. I think that could be helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Setting, setting parameters, setting expectations. Um, really everywhere in life is very important, right? (laughs) Is, is kind of, you know, this is what I expect and this is what I want to get out of it. And this is what I'd like it to look like. Um, because when you don't set those expectations, you're really only setting yourself up for one of two things. And that's one to be let down because maybe you don't experience any of those things. Um, or two, everything means something. And then now you spend all day kind of uh, trying to decide between like conflicting messages and co- because if everything is important, then nothing's important. Right. So totally. um, it, it is one of those things that it, it is so subjective and it is so person to person. Um, and, and so I think that's a great point about like just setting expectations for like, this is how I want to receive messaging or, or this is what is going to catch my attention and mean something to me um, so that you're not kind of in this in between of like, is is that you? Hello? Is is that you? Is that are we talking? Or is this or is that really just a crow or a feather or you know those yeah. those tangible things in the real world? 
Um, and then we have an item here about, is it problematic to share our beliefs of the gods, right? Where, where is that line between sharing belief and impressing belief upon other people? Um, and I, for me, I think it really depends on intention. Um, so my intention in sharing my experience is to offer my logic and my experience as a, a point of consideration, just as something to put out there for people to be like, oh, maybe I haven't heard of that before or seen that before mm-hmm. or known about that before. Um, my, I, I have no investment in the outcome of that conversation or of that experience. I, I have no reason to like, draw people in to please celebrate my deity with me. Um, I'm not trying to create a cult. I'm not trying to create a religion. Um, I just want to share this information because part of it also is feeding that egregore, right? And so um, as I talk about the gods, that is also part of the veneration piece of it. So um, for me, that, that line is in intention. Now that is not to say intention versus impact, right? I can go in with the best intentions, but if the impact is that I unintentionally create a cult, that's on me. That's, <laughs> that's on me. Yeah. Um, but for yeah. me, it, you know, I'm not going into it trying to evangelize people. I think, yeah, that's a point that was really interesting to me as a point of contrast to, let's say, you know, modern Christianity in America, that like the evangelizing isn't actually, um, is actually frowned on within specifically like Wiccan spaces. Uh, We very much don't want to influence people's free will. And we very much are trying to attract seekers uh, rather than, you know, project our ideas on people. Um, And we're not trying to recruit (laughs) uh, anybody. However, um, when I talk about Hestia, like I would love it if other people would also um, look into, be curious about, and want to worship Hestia. Of course, right? Like I I can't help but be excited when other people, you know, honor the God that I honor. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not trying to recruit anybody because of that intention. I don't want to change someone's, um, someone's will, right? Um, mm-hmm. I want the gods to compel you (laughs) rather than me. Um, So evangelizing and and proselytizing, um, you know, is certainly something that's really frowned on in uh, witchcraft communities as a whole, but also specifically within, you know, the Wiccan religion. Um, Another term here that I think is probably worth connecting on is um, indoctrination. So, you know, uh, I don't have any children, so I can't really speak to this, but the idea that, if I had kids and they were growing up in a pagan polytheistic environment, would I not intentionally or otherwise um, potentially indoctrinate them into my belief system? And I think that mm-hmm. we all run the risk of doing that at all points, whether, you know, whatever religion we are, um, if you grew up around it, it's going to be familiar, of course. Um, but I'd be interested kind of like in Dana, you sharing your, you, you've talked to me about this in the past, but you know, how do you balance that idea of influencing or maybe educating, but not actually trying to control or limit, you know, your children's will around these types of yeah. topics? Yeah, it's definitely this fine line, right? Um, just like we talked about blurring of the lines earlier. Um, and again, it goes back to that intention, right? So when I'm sharing parts of my practice, it's not coming from a, a place of like, this is how we do things and this is all that's allowed in our household. I think where we start limiting free will is where we start to get into these problematic parts of indoctrinization. Um, so I, I have really strong feelings around things like um, baptism um, or like um, not from the aspect of like protection over this child from my belief system, but the idea that you are making someone part of a religion or, or putting them into the religion Um without their consent. I think consent is a huge part of free will and to ignore one is to negate the other. And so um, for me, when I am explaining, you know, what I do, I always try to give 
the balance, right? Um, and so when my daughter comes to me with questions about um, Christian beliefs and things like that, we, we talk about the give and take of those things, right? Um, why do they believe this? And why do I maybe not agree with that? But I always put like the decision making in, in her hands. And I always say, you know, this is what I think, but I encourage you to learn more about that. Um, I encourage you to challenge those thoughts. I encourage you to speak to other people about their belief systems and, and to understand where that comes from. Um, I She has a friend at school whose parents only wanted her to have Christian friends, mm-hmm. um, which kind of flies in the face of uh, my daughter, um, who is not a Christian um, and We'll openly say that, you know, they did a, a holiday thing at school and she did Yule um, because it's what we celebrate at our house. Um, and I think her parents heard about that and they were like, well, we don't, we only want you to have Christian friends. Um, and what I said to her was, you have to understand that someone's faith has to be fragile. Um, their their own belief system has to be very fragile to believe that to just hear the opinions of other people is so tantalizing um, and is so potentially faith breaking that they want to bar you from having friends that are like that, right? That's where we're crossing that line of free will, um, Mm -hmm. where my faith is mine alone. um, And I want her faith, her belief, her spirituality to be hers alone. Um, And so I, I encourage her to really ask questions. You know, I'll, I'll explain everything that I'm doing age appropriately to a point. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I do encourage her to also know that this is what works for me and this won't necessarily be something that works for everybody and to kind of reach out and, and learn things and experience different things because, um, my way is not the only way. Um, You're and that such a is me. good mom. Oh my Listen, gosh. Listen, I, I try. I try so hard. Um, but <laughs> but also, you know, this is a, a, for lack of a better term, a pagan and or potentially non-religious household. You know, my, my spouse is not religious in any sense of the word. Um, and so I think she comes from this world of like, your belief is your own. It doesn't belong to to either of us. And therefore we don't instill it in our children. We express our beliefs. We talk about our thoughts and our beliefs, but we don't impress it upon them. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Very, very cool. Yeah. So much different than how I grew up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So I think we saved maybe the spikiest, juiciest hot takes for for last year. Um, Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) <laughs> there is, I, uh, in the last couple of years, there's been a very productive conversation, in my opinion, around deity and gods and the topic of um, appropriation, right? And so looking at the idea that potentially not all gods are available to you and what that means. Um, I think you will hear in every <laughs> modern uh, book, podcast, uh, popular opinion that you have to be very careful around appropriation um, and when it comes to closed practices, right? I think that's like the known mm-hmm. point of view, which is if you are not of that culture, then you cannot just access those gods because you want to. Um, I don't know if you want to expand on that at all, Danny. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's important that when we're having these conversations that we acknowledge that just because you want to do something does not mean it gives you freedom to do it without one, consent, right? Consent is very important. Um, but two, without knowledge. Um, so I think a lot of times when we're talking about a cult, po- cultural appropriation or misappropriation, it, a lot of times it's coming from a place of, I just want to do what I want um, and to hell with the culture and the beliefs and the practices that came before me and honoring those. And that's where we get into um, some really just inappropriateness, um, just, just really harmful things. And so when we're talking from closed practice, you can't just decide to initiate yourself into a closed practice. 
Um, if you are drawn to certain deity, if they are very important to you, um, then then go through the right channels, right? Go and and find priestess priestesses of that. How group. would you define? I mean, just for for purposes here of debate, mm-hmm. how would you define close practice? Like, what? How does someone know if a deity is part of a close practice? Mm-hmm. So, I would say initiatory groups, right? So, if you are interested in something, you should be doing a little bit of research, and if you find that it's an initiate an initiatory group, that should be something that is obviously a closed practice. Um, when we get to things that maybe don't require initiation outright, but are more of a birthright thing, there are religious groups where it is by birth. Um, and that isn't to say that they do not allow anyone who was not born into that culture, but it does mean that you need to go through the appropriate channels to reach people of those cultures and to get essentially their consent and approval. Um, now, you and I have had some really important discussions about, well, what if you don't know your culture and how does reincarnation kind of fit into this um, and, and the understanding of misappropriation? Yeah. I mean, so to play Pan's advocate, I don't know. I don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> to, to just provide a, a contrasting point of view. Oh, and you know, everybody does better when they know better, but um, I'm sure if I was like, you know, a cute little Wiccan lady practicing witchcraft in the eighties, I would be so interested in native American gods and goddesses and would totally find it to be exciting to feel like I could connect with those goddesses. Right. Um, especially because of all of my, um, <laughs> white shame. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and I think I could justify that, right. With this mm-hmm. idea that I believe in reincarnation. So who's to say that in past lives, I wasn't native American. And maybe that's mm-hmm. why my spirit is calling towards, you know, this goddess or that goddess because of my previous lives. So if you wanted to justify (laughs) Mm -hmm. appropriation of other cultures, you could use that point of view. Um, And I think what is, it's really easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater in this conversation and to say, like, if you're not of that culture, you cannot access those gods or goddesses or deities in between, right? And I think what the pendulum of mm, current conversation has come back to is, um, all gods could be potentially available to you so long as you go through the right um, channels and you connect with people of those cultures. I think also like just to call it out, the, the biggest taboos here um, when it comes to misappropriation is when you're trying to connect with current religions, right. That are practiced by oppressed people. Um, Of course. Yeah. And especially if you are, if you're, historical uh, ancestors just by blood connection, maybe not by reincarnation, were the oppressors, right? Like that that's mm-hmm. usually the biggest issue here that we're talking about. Um, however, it doesn't mean that it is never available to you. It's just that you have to show that respect. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's really interesting. Like reincarnation could be a justification as to why you're called mm-hmm. in a certain direction, uh, but it doesn't give you the green light to just go ahead and start connecting directly with those um, gods or goddesses. Yeah. yeah. It's all about that respect piece, right? And so we have to be very, we have to acknowledge that power imbalance where we, when we are approaching the religious and cultural beliefs, particularly of minorities from the perspective of people who have kind of been part of a culture that just takes, 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 takes to go into this minority culture, to go into this minority belief system and just take what we want. Um, We have to understand that that is perpetuating history in a very negative way. And understandably people from those minority religions, minority cultures have very strong feelings about that. Right. Um, And are finally at least in a place in society now where we can say like, this was wrong and we should stop doing that. Um, And so whenever you're approaching these sensitive topics, whenever you're approaching these sensitive things, it's really about the respect. Um, And if you are not coming at it from a respectful place and and respect being doing the proper research, going through the right channels, doing the things that you should be doing 
if this is something you're actually interested in, not because you want the clout or not because you want to claim um, indigenous things or, or minority things, but because you actually have a vested interest in it, then as long as you are doing the things you should be doing, then you should be doing it in a respectful way. Um, but to just like show up and, and claim to be a voodoo priest because you want to be um, is just inherently problematic. So again, just approach yeah. it with the appropriate level of respect. Yeah. And I think um, there's a lot of uh, fetishizing of mm. exoticness that leads people to feel called to certain deities that are outside of their own culture. Um, and that's something to question about the attraction to certain deities is like, are you only attracted to them or potentially is part of your attraction because it seems quote unquote exotic or uh, not familiar. And that's what's exciting. Like, is there, a, is mm -hmm. like, are you being excited because it's not what you know and it's novel? Or are you actually connecting with the culture and what that deity stands for? So, I, I mean, there's lots of discourse around this topic. And um, I, I think that the net new thing I want to point out there is that there was, I think, especially a few years ago, this huge pendulum swing of conversation, which is like, if you're not of that culture, you don't get to play with those gods, right? Um, and that was a response to the other side of that spectrum mm -hmm. or the pendulum swing, which is like, you can play with anybody. Um, right. And so I think, you know, as we talked about, it, it's probably somewhere in the center where, sure, you can go ahead if you have put um, the, the effort in, you've connected with um, the leaders of that religion, if you have um, gone through, as you say, the right channels. But this mm -hmm. isn't a net new point necessarily. Um, but I think the, the point of reincarnation puts an interesting spin on that because maybe you mm -hmm. were in a previous life connected and that's why you are being attracted um, as a point of view. So, yeah. All right. Well, we have, we've talked, Danny, we are, we did it. Again, we never shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's as if we drank a whole uh, glass of iced coffee beforehand and have been no. secretly gulping off off camera um, <laughs> off microphone because of all the phlegm we have built up from <clears throat> doing said activity um all right well i think this is probably as good a place as any to wrap it up of course, of course. So, witches, we hope that you have really enjoyed this discourse. We hope that we have helped kind of connect some dots. Um, we'll definitely want to hear what other dots you want us to help connect or, or what thoughts we can help um, kind of expand upon. So, please, wherever you're listening to this, let us know what you're thinking. Um, and then also, as always, blessed be witches and be well. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you.